Kirby, welcome to Sports Business Secrets. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I enjoy each and every guest that comes on, but there's there's definitely something that's a little extra special about a fellow collegiate basketball player that gets to uh, gets to join me. It gets me uh, a little bit more excited. So um, we're going to dive into your career, into growing up, into what you're doing now. But just as a brief little intro here to the listeners who might not be aware of Kirby, she's a former Harvard women's basketball player turned creator and entrepreneur. She started her career in sports marketing with a stop at Pepsi and then spent some time at a venture capital firm and most recently founded New Game Labs to help sports creators build and grow successful businesses. So we connected last year. I've been, you know, I've loved following what, you know, what you post, what you uh, post on YouTube, obviously your podcast. And so if you're listening, uh, she is definitely someone to get affiliated with because uh, she is the name of the game in sports business and the creator economy. So officially welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I love the intro. I'm hyped for this for this conversation. And as you know, it's always great connecting with other podcasters because they know how to hold a great conversation. So it should be a definitely. Good one. We, and and we just had a nice little conversation about podcasting before we started. So we will we, we will continue with that here shortly. So um, when, when I have my guests on, I usually give them you know thirty seconds, a minute or two, just to kind of give uh, a brief. Um, background on maybe your upbringing and then, you know, where you're from and, um, and then we'll get into college hoops and, and go from there. Yeah. Um, all right. So I was born in Houston, Texas, but I can't claim it because I was only there for five years. Uh, so I grew up in Maryland, um, went to Sidwell. I'm sure your listeners don't know this, but I went to Sidwell for um, middle school. Then I went to Bullis for high school um and was playing tennis and basketball growing up and then I was really tall I was like that awkward tall girl growing up and that was a whole thing <laughs> and um I think it was probably in eighth or ninth grade I chose basketball and I was like all right I'm gonna do basketball um so then carried that through high school went through the whole recruiting process and everything and it led me to Harvard, where I loved, absolutely loved my four years. And I feel like it just shaped so much of my outlook and passion for what I do now. No doubt. That, that, that's a great uh, addition to, to, to uh, my intro here. So question for you, when did you realize, or, or I guess, I guess let's back up. What did you want to be when you're growing up? Like you obviously loved hoops, right? You love sports. Was there a time that you were like, hey, I, I want to be a collegiate basketball player, or I want to be in the WNBA, or what, what was what was the point where you were like, hey, this is where I want to bring it to? Yeah, um, I was always playing basketball, like really, really young, like when I was like two, as every basketball player's stories go. Um, but I remember when we were living in Houston, we'd always go to the Houston Comets games, and those were like really special. Like I still remember those as like a fond memory today, even though I was like so young. Um, but seeing them like in their prime, like just like rocking the jersey all the time. And I think that was like, a, I want to do this thing, even though like I played tennis and stuff growing up. And then um, I think when I started taking it like really seriously in like middle school, early high school and like going to all the tournaments, going to all the things, doing all the, um, you know, weekends at colleges and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm investing a lot of time into this. I definitely can see myself taking it to the next level. Putting in the work. Yeah. I love it. And, and, and then there was a point where you were like, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to play in college. So I'm very curious as to uh, what the recruiting process was like from Harvard, because I, 
you know, I was a very different recruiting process than, than most scholarship players because I was a walk-on. And so I, I always love hearing the stories of how, how different coaching staffs recruit. And then most importantly, like what, what you were looking for, like, what, what were you like, Hey, this program has what I'm looking for with hoops. And then also outside of hoops, hoops with academics. Yeah. Um, so the Harvard process was like, you know, everyone says it's like different from like the, the normal process in a sense of like, you're not just like, all right, you're in, <laughs> you had to go through the, sure. the, whole, the whole thing. Um, but what really gravitated me towards Harvard was, um, early on, just like knowing I wanted to play somewhere where basketball wasn't the end all be all because I tore my ACL, like going into one of like the biggest AAU recruiting summers where you're supposed to get that offer. And, you know, everybody came out that summer with an offer and I don't have anything because I like didn't play that whole summer. Um, But it also just like taught me the fragility of athletics. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to play, like I want to be somewhere where I am going to be happy if I tear my ACL again and I can't play. And then also I'm probably not going to go to the league. So let's be for real. Like let's be objective and go somewhere that's going to set me up for success in life. Um, you know, the saying 40 year game, not the four year game. So that that's, was how I thought about it. That's big time. And, and I know a lot of people say that now and and, and I try to, have that conversation with as many student athletes as I can. I don't care what sport you're in. It's like, look, I want you to go pro, but the reality is you can just crunch the numbers. Like the numbers don't lie. So what, what are the, what, what's, what's the real percentage chance that you're going to be a pro. And, and I just want to call out for the audience. Like I literally did a little bit, I, I call it like a deep dive research for my guests. And I came across an interview, like a video oh of you talking about it in high school. And so you, you've been, you've been about it. It was actually, it was talking about, uh, I'll send it to you later. It was talking about your injury. And at that point you sat down and you looked at yourself in the mirror, you talked to your parents and you were like, look, like I need to, I need to start thinking about passions outside the game. I think, and when I, that was literally this morning. And when I heard that, I'm like, this is like, you spoke it into existence because that's what you're doing. <laughs> right. Which is really cool. But like the, the ball is going to stop bouncing. So that's kind of the identity that you formed is like, you have to you have to figure out your passions outside the game because even if you play and I tell this to you know to the guys that are either my clients or that I'm recruiting, even if you play for ten years, which is longer than most, and you make a good money, unless you're LeBron James, you're gonna have to do something with your life. And so it's like figuring out what that is, and that's what is important. So yeah, I thought that was really really cool. It's, I, I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember that. I'll send it to you later. Please do. I literally just got like chills. <laughs> right? How cool I, I, is that? I remember what interview you're talking about. It was when I was at Bullis, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, but that's like crazy that I'm like seeing the same things. I literally don't like remember that. Like it's not like a talk track I <laughs> prepare every single time, but you know, sometimes you just stick to the plan and do what you say you're going to do. That's awesome. So, so on that topic, transitioning out of, I, and I don't want to just skip over Harvard because obviously we can have a whole conversation about Harvard hoops and your accomplishments and how amazing that was. But I do want to, focus a little bit on the business side and the transition from basketball to business. Um, so for you, what was that, what was that transition like? Um, I guess, and I think you, the, the title of your, your podcast originally was court, court to corporate, right? Which I absolutely love from the court to corporate. So what was it, was that difficult for you? Or did you at that point already understand and really have a belief that like you wanted to do something other than basketball? Yeah, I think I I knew I wasn't going to play um, professionally. So it, you're kind of like at peace 
by your junior year, you're like, okay, I have two more years of this. Um, but it was still like sad. Like I, I still remember like going into my last season. It's such a surreal feeling. Like when you play basketball your entire life and you know, you're not going to proceed professionally. Like Cause that's your like, identity. It's your yeah. Identity. Yeah. Like those last like 10 games, then five games, then three games and you have one game left. Now I got like, chills. I remember that. I, it's, 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 a, yeah. it's a strange feeling. It's a strange feeling. So um, it was definitely hard, but I had like a job lined up because I had interned at Pepsi the previous summer. So it's kind of like, all right, on to the next thing. And um, even in starting that job, though, I do remember going through a lot of like self-discovery and I felt uncomfortable uh, just in doing one thing. I think that was the biggest spark behind Court to Corporate. Mm. I was I can't just do one thing like that is just like not how I'm built. Uh, it doesn't work for me and my energy and my <laughs> all my ideas. Um, so I'm like, all right, so my job is going to be like school, like the student part. What's the athlete part? Like, what's the part where I have this like obsession and I'm pouring into it and I'm growing it. And I had to like figure out what that was. So I did a lot of journaling, journaling turned into blogs blogs turned into LinkedIn posts, LinkedIn posts turned into court to corporate, this concept. And there was just like a lot of like research. Like I would literally come home from work and like research athletes and business athletes and investing um, all these programs, like the NFLPA and MBPA were doing like in 2018, like I was just so passionate about that idea and um, really knew I wanted to build something around it. And just like sat in that discomfort, like kind of the similar just discomfort now of starting something new as an entrepreneur, like I didn't know what it was going to be and I had to figure it out. And I just like pushed through that discomfort and it got me to court to corporate. And I built that podcast out over two years, interviewed like 40 athletes, such a great networking, brand building, skill building tool. Like I could go on in a, in a separate question about the benefits of podcasting outside of, of monetary gains. Um, but I, I think that outlet really helped me transition successfully and not have that feeling of who am I, what am I doing now? What is my purpose linger? Cause I immediately poured that energy into my creative passion. Yeah. I, and I think to touch on that last part, like, you know, what's your, why, what's your identity, identity, what's your purpose? It's not going to, it's not going to come overnight, just like anything. Right. And, and I think athletes should understand that because they know they didn't turn into a division one player overnight either. And so like, I I think just what I try to share and what I think you do a great job of, of communicating is that like you, you have to, you have to go through that discomfort to figure out what your purpose is or what your, what your niche or what your role is going to be. So one thing I I just want to touch on real quick, because I love to share on the podcast, um, you know, how athletes in particular can, call it GoPro and something else, right? So you you obviously had your stops at corporate with Pepsi. Um, and so c- can you share a little bit about what that was like, maybe your roles and responsibilities? Because I think one of the issues, not issues, but one of the obstacles for athletes is they're just, they're unaware of options outside of their identity. They're unaware of what the paths are that they can be really successful at outside of becoming a pro. Yeah, no, thank you. I actually don't think I've like talked about that on a podcast before. So thank Great. you for asking. Um, yeah, so my first role was actually not in sports. It was uh, Mountain Dew strategy and innovation. So the goal of that role was like launching new beverages for the Mountain Dew brand. Um, so we would like create the 
annual plans and like what products are we going to launch next and all these things. Um, and so that was really cool just to see how products like came to life from zero to one. And even though it was a beverage Mountain Dew, I, I feel like if you're someone that's like always like learning and you have a vision, I'll call it, you don't look at things for what they are. You look at things for like, what is this teaching me and how can I apply it to bigger things? So like bringing beverages from zero to one, how do you bring brands from zero to one? How do you bring a podcast from zero to one? How do I bring my business from zero to one? It's like, how can you literally take things that you were learning in these roles, especially at amazing companies like Pepsi that do such a great job of like fundamental, like brand and marketing training and like not just look at it for what it is and like find the passion in, in like what it's teaching you. Um, so I loved my first one on the Mountain Dew team. It was like, I like, you know, it's like funnest brand in the building, you know, if you've seen any, of any of the commercials. Um, so that was my first role. Uh, but even in that role, I, I always like raise my hand of like, I'm passionate about this and, and these things. Like that had nothing to do with my job description, but was just like very vocal and luckily had just a great manager and support system that supported my passions and like found ways to like plug me into those things. And then my second role was on the sports marketing team, where specifically I was working on MBA partnerships. Um, so that looked like the broader MBA partnership, which my uh, manager led at the time. And then my role was focused more specifically on like player marketing and team marketing between like, how does Mountain Dew activate with an NBA player or WNBA player? How does Mountain Dew activate with all the team partnerships that we have at a regional level to drive product sales? And so that was really cool to learn, like, how do these partnerships work at such a large, huge mm -hmm. company like Pepsi? Like, I, I remember before I started at Pepsi, I, I didn't even understand how big the reach of a company like that was. And so like forever grateful for that experience for one, like teach me fundamentals of like brand marketing and then also seeing how it applied to my passion of sports. Mm. Yeah. I, I guess it, it's, it's sometimes easy to forget because at the end of the day, it's really about, you, know, you could tell great stories and that you could have an outlier, great story, but it's really about audience and eyeballs. Right. And, and, and a brand like Mountain Dew and, you know, Pepsi and all of their, all their sub brands. It's like, I mean, the, the reach is, is unbelievable. Um, so, so with that, I mean, with either, either role, either the strategy role or the sports marketing role, what's something that you, that you learned there that you were able to take into what you do today? So much. Putting you, put, put <laughs> so you on the spot here, but I'm sure you could talk hours about each role. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, going back to that like zero to one process of like, okay, even if I'm not in the nitty gritty of every single stage of bringing a beverage to market, like as the brand manager or on the brand management side, you get to oversee the whole thing. So you see, what do you need to do to go from like zero to one on a concept? And I feel like that is what I enjoy most about creating. Um, I like, I, I'm really good at like launching a new brand. Like I'm really good at that. Like I'll pat myself on the back. I think the Court to Corporate brand was really great. Like it was really great. It was a great concept. Even though I had no idea what I was doing. Like I got that mic from Amazon and just started pulling up on my friends in New York and started interviewing them. But like the brand that was developed 
was really strong and it built a community and there's like people that come up to me today and it's so crazy because I never thought it was big I never I never thought it was reaching a lot of people but literally I'm in New York for like rising 25 and someone's like yo girl like I remember your podcast interview with Marlon Beck one of my first interviews that I did years ago they're like that interview really helped me and I'm like wow you know like literally being able to create a new idea is similar to like creating a new impactful brand. Um, so that, and then also um, just like long-term strategic thinking um, around brand building, I think something a lot of creators um, start with and, and unfortunately get trapped by is thinking, what am I going to post next? What am I going to mm. post? Tomorrow? What am I going to post next week? What's my calendar for next month? Where, I, I think like, what does New Game Labs look like in five years? What does it look like in three years? What does it look like in two years? How do I work back today? What do I need to create today in order to reach those broader goals? And it, it helps me enjoy the slow process of like starting a new channel, a new podcast from zero. And I don't care if in the beginning it is slow because I'm not, I'm not doing it for what am I going to post tomorrow? What am I going to post next month, next week? There's like a long-term vision and plan behind everything. Um, so I think that is absolutely something that I gained from working at such a big company. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think to, to double click on that, you know, you, you embraced the discomfort like you talked about before because you know I had similar similar feelings when I started my podcast that was like okay um you know I want this to be really good but as soon as I was okay with the fact that it was probably going to suck at first like absolutely <laughs> suck and then gonna I really tough. was yeah I you know I really was okay with the fact that it's going to get better like anything else that's yeah. when I started to see the success right and I wasn't thinking about it I was just really diving into having amazing conversations and getting great people and telling stories. And I, and, and just like that person came up to you and you're like, Oh, Whoa, like, I didn't realize that this had this reach. You know, I, that same thing happened to me when I was, you know, when I was at NBA summer league or I was in, I'll never forget a time I was in Barcelona at FC Barcelona and somebody came across the floor and it ended up being their sporting director saying, Hey, Kevin, like I, I listen to your podcast. What you listen to me. I'm like, yeah. I've been following you guys forever. So I just think that's a testament to, you know, to you really believing in yourself, but also the the, the long-term strategic thinking is, is, is powerful. So um, nice. All right. And then let's, uh, let's jump. So from, from Pepsi and from, from Mountain Dew, you spent a year and a half about at a kind of in the venture capital, private equity space. So what was that jump like? And then maybe just, again, a little bit, just a brief synopsis of like, for those listeners who might be interested in what that was like. Like yeah. what your roles and responsibilities were. Yeah, uh, that jump was awesome. I knew nothing about venture capital, but uh, going back to the importance for athletes and honestly, anyone in the beginning of your career, um, one of the first points I made in this interview was the amount of time that I spent early on in 2018 coming home after work every single day and studying athletes in business, athletes in venture capital. What is the what programs does the NFLPA do to support their players in business? What about the NBA? What about the WNBA? Turning that into content, and you see the content, but I learned so much about that world. And so when something like Will Ventures pops up, 
um, from my network. It was dope team of you know, two former Harvard football guys that started the firm. I knew the chief of staff at the time we overlapped at Harvard and I'm talking to her. I'm like learning about the firm and I'm like, this sounds really cool. Like this sounds re- like I'd love to do that someday because I had I'd previously done so much research and was so fascinated by that idea that when amazing opportunity comes by, you're able to spot it and think for yourself because I did not, or think differently, I'll say, because mm. no part of me had a plan to get into venture capital ever when I was starting my career. I didn't even know it was a career path. I'm not a quantitative person. I'm not an investor, but because you, if you take time to like craft, like what am I passionate about? What vision do I see for myself and study that vision you can see amazing opportunities when they come by. And so that is like one little piece of advice behind like why I I felt like it really just aligned with the direction that I wanted to go in my career. Um, The experience was like joining like a startup basically. So like I was like the fourth employee, um, first marketer was leading our marketing and it was just such a great learning experience. Like I, I felt in a great way, like I felt so challenged, like, and so, like I was learning so much so quickly and was like building very quickly. Um, so my, my role there was like leading marketing for the firm, um, helping the portfolio companies with marketing. Um, and then also another big part of the firm's investment thesis was like, how do you help startups grow through sports partnerships and all the relationships that the founders had built? Um, so it was great to be so involved in that too, because we were, you know, lean, lean, small team and, and building it all together for that first fund. So um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I, I definitely encourage people, like, even if things don't make sense to other people, or it's like not the career path that you had planned for yourself at such an early stage in your career, where you actually really don't know what you want to do yet, try new things and you know see see where they take you because like being in that role helped like expand my thinking about where I wanted to take my career where I could apply my passions for marketing I didn't know I could apply my passion for marketing to venture capital I didn't know I could apply it to starting my own business I wouldn't I I wouldn't have been able to see that unless I entered this new startup landscape so like always think about how you can expand upon the initial skill set that you're building into new areas. Mm, that's great advice too. And I think uh, there, there's two parts of it that is that I encourage people who are listening to pay attention to. And one of them is that something excited you like about both those stops. You're like, okay, Mountain Dew and, and the sports marketing uh, and the strategy, you're like, wow, that's really cool. That seems interesting. You're curious about it. Same thing with the venture uh, venture capital is something excited you, but on the other side, you you were aware that you didn't know something about it and you wanted to learn, right? And and just those those two in in conjunction, personally, I think, and 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 I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those two combined really set the stage for you to be able to do what you're doing now, right? Like you 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 had that passion, you were excited, but then you learned so much when you were there that now you're ready to take that next step. Yes, 100%, 100%. Which, which leads us to now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I, uh, I can 
I can dive into that. Yeah, yeah, that. definitely. That, that, that's, I think it's a perfect transition. So let's talk, uh, let's talk what you're doing now. Um, and then I'm going to agree with some questions, the creator economy, athletes, brand yeah. partnerships, and we're going to teach, we're going to teach the audience something here. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, no, both of them are just such a great, like, way to, like, evolve into what I'm doing now. And um, New Game Labs today is, you know, focused on helping athletes, like, grow their brand and business potential through content creation. And it really kind of formulated when I learned about the creator economy and I looked at that podcast that I had started like two years prior, literally just out of passion, just wanting to do it because I love the idea. I love talking to people. I love sharing stories. I didn't monetize one cent off of the 40 interviews that I did and all the content that I published, but I just loved it. And um, it helped me see one, the potential of something like that. But more importantly, it was clicking at the time where the NIL rule changes were happening. And here comes this new wave of athletes that are social media first, content first, creating content isn't taboo. It's just what people do, right? And so like, how do you help them connect the dots? How do you help them see their potential? How do you give examples, tangible examples of athletes that are taking their talents as content creators and creating something so much bigger beyond just content. And so mm -hmm. that's the goal. And going back to the roots of like storytelling and wanting to get more data points of people that are like that girl that came up to me three years later, hey, I listened to that interview. It helped me a lot. It helped me figure out what I want to do in my career. How can you now do the same thing for what I think is like a bigger charge of like helping athletes grow in business in general not just career transition like grow in business um through storytelling and so that's the podcast today it started two weeks ago as we're recording this um so the interviews have been rolling out but like just even in the first two weeks like i you're a creator a creator too i think when you get a lot of reps up and you finally get to the point of like okay I did, I did something or we, we did something here, you know, mm -hmm. like this, this is good. Um, that's a really great point to get to. And so like, I encourage, and I say that because my first year of entrepreneurship was not that it wasn't that right. Like it was like figuring out, like, okay, like what, what platform, what's the right way to tell the story? What is the right medium? What's the right message? What's the right anchor? How do I connect this big idea to something that is tangible and real today? That was not the first year. But all those like missteps and like trying different things and uh, literally trying so many things led to the podcast today, which just even in the first two weeks, the response that it's getting, the community that it's building, the athletes that are like, yo, like this is dope. Like I resonate with that. Or like, I'm mm -hmm. going to share this with my daughter who is coming overseas to play basketball because she needs to hear this. Like that's the point. That's why you keep going as a creator. You, you keep publishing until you get to the thing that it's like, okay, I found the fit. I found the fit of like the vision and the passion with the people that need it today. Um, so that is the podcast, a long explanation for the podcast. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, cool. Like you have the stories, you have the media, you have the inspiration. Like how do you provide 
creators and athletes with the with tools to help them accomplish those same outcomes. So education is a huge priority and really just packaging up the lessons built along the journey of building your brand as an athlete in business. Um, and then also building your brand in a creator led way um, and just delivering educational products and memberships around that. Um, and then just collaboration is the name of the game. You know, I'm excited to partner with a lot of people that understand the importance of like the why now, like, why do we need this now for today's mm. athletes and um, just do it big. I love it. So, so the creator economy, obviously, this is not just college athletes, but I do, I do want to chat about college athletes. So the creator economy can be anyone, any, any, any athlete. Of course, we're, we're focused on athletes, but it could be a storyteller. It could be uh, a musician. It could be anyone with a following, really. I don't care if you have two followers or two million, right? But, but I do want to ask you a little bit about the college athletes specifically, because it's such a hot topic. So um, I think the creator economy and NIL and, and, and you know, it, it all has this, this vibe and this buzzword towards entrepreneurship, but I think it's important to, to differentiate between um, doing exactly what entrepreneurs do and, and just still being a storyteller and, and a part of the creator economy, but it doesn't have to be like super start a business, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel. So can you just, I mean, maybe what are some different business models that like if an athlete's listening right now in college, like what are a couple basic ways that they can start to tap into, even if they have like, let's say they're literally starting at zero and they don't know, like, they're like, Hey, I'm not going to go be a, an influencer or start a YouTube channel, but I know I have stories to tell and I want to be able to, you know, tap into my skill sets in my network? Like what are a couple pieces of advice for, for people that just want to get started in it? Yeah. I, I think the, if like we peel the, remove the buzzwords from everything, remove creator, remove creator economy, remove everything, right. In the world that we live in today, the way a lot of businesses and careers grow is through content. So eventually the Jersey, the Jersey days will end and you're going to want to grow in your next chapter. And so something I encourage a lot of athletes to do is, and what I think is what will be the norm for a lot of athletes is like, Hey, being a full-time influencer or creator is literally not for everyone and it shouldn't be for everyone, but how can content help you get to where you want to go? How mm. can you have a career aspiration or industry that you want to be in or dream job that you want and how can you leverage content to build awareness and grow your network and create proof points that set you up for success and so that's where the value of content is for everyone whether you want to be a full-time content creator or not because in this digital age where everyone is a creator and a lot of people have the same resumes brands win and so you have to view yourself like that and really invest in differentiating yourself. That is so in this economy, <laughs> in this economy, in this job market, in this new reality that we're entering, we're out of the euphoria of a lot of market highs, um, impending recession coming, differentiating yourself is so important, whether you are trying to get your first internship or you're you know, starting your career, 
um, or growing your career or wanting to switch careers different, like, how are you going to stand out? How do you get beyond the bullet points on your resume? Because content is the new resume. That was a fantastic answer. Um, I, I think, and you capped it off with, with a, such an important question. How do you differentiate yourself? And all athletes know how to do that because I go back to the analogy I mean, and, and sports is, you know, as corny as they can be, that sports have the best analogies for life. It's like, if you were a collegiate athlete, you knew how to differentiate yourself enough to get that scholarship or even be on the team, right? Whether it was on, on the court, on the field, or whether you did something to build a relationship, like you showed up early or you stayed late or you did something, like you know how to differentiate yourself. But that's super important. And I'm just going to double click it again. It's like when the jersey comes off or when you decide that you want to do something other than be a pro, you have to realize how many other people are trying to be the same thing. And so right. you can you can be in a stack of resumes or you can use your own brand and your own reputation really is the, the way that I like to phrase it to to differentiate yourself. And, and it doesn't have to be you don't have to be an influence. You don't have to be, you know, a million, uh, a million subscribers YouTube channel uh, in order to just simply like you stated perfectly, I think, is is use content to get you to where you're where you want to be. That could be. Um, that could be starting your own business and being an entrepreneur, or that could just simply be getting your foot in the door at a Mountain Dew or a Pepsi, right? Yeah. So um, that was really powerful. And and to, I guess my next question would be um, how to, and I think this is probably a good plug and you can talk about it for one of the benefits of, of New Game Labs is your, is your um, pro membership um, is, you know, athletes always say, okay, well, I have this, I have my stories, but how do I monetize? And there's a lot of different ways you can, but maybe in like a 30,000 foot view um, or, or a teaser into the, the pro membership, like how do athletes monetize? Yeah. Um, so I think the key difference is that there's not one way an athlete is going to monetize. And I think that's what has held athletes back. They're literally taught, go get a brand partnership and then go launch some merch when like literally that is like the opposite of what creators are doing today. Like creators are now flipping it on the reverse. Like I am the business. What do I implement around the business of me? And so that is what the business of you is about. It's like, how do you view yourself as the business? And then it teaches you the strategies to roll out things that like create the business of you. And so that is really something that I'm big on. It's like, the strategy is going to have to change. And then also going back to the point of like the creator economy and NIL being very separate in my opinion, like I think NIL is four years and below like college and, and below. But once, once the 99% of athletes are no longer playing in college, the NIL conversation isn't really relevant to them, but they still have to, like, they still have, influence and power and like some people are like oh once you're done playing everything goes away that is literally not true it's literally not true there are so many examples of athletes today that become more powerful in their second chapters and mm -hmm. people that played in college that you have no idea that they played in college but they're doing big things so this like arbitrary made up mark of when influence start and stops is not true and we need to encourage athletes like, hey, this is how 
you can continue what you are doing and build things around you. And so that is really the objective of all resources that come out of New Game Labs. It's like, how do you help people think differently about their brand potential? Mm. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, again, to come back to, to square one and full circle is at the end of the day, there's so, you can get overwhelmed with all the opportunities out there, but you have to ask yourself like, what, what's your why? What, where do you want to be? What or more importantly, what is success to you? Like success to you can be making X amount of money from your YouTube channel because you have a certain impact success to you can mean, you know, X, Y, and Z. So asking yourself, what is success to you? And actually on that, on that topic, I'm just curious, uh, not to put you on the spot if you have a definition for yourself, but I always love to hear like what, what is success to you, Kirby, or, or, or what does success look like for New Game Labs, whether it's tomorrow or, you know, in, in 15 years? Yeah, I think for success for me is just like impact on this like big idea of helping athletes succeed beyond the game through this innovative way that will always, always, always evolve. I bet you we can do this interview in a year and it's going to be the same purpose, but a different conversation because that is just like how I think life moves. And then that's how I try to move too. It's like always evolving and always meeting people where they are and then always helping people think bigger for themselves. And like, if I can always do those things, I, I can't even define what success looks like for you because that that is going to guide me in the direction I'm supposed to go. But make an impact on helping athletes succeed beyond the game. Love it. Well, you're, you're definitely, definitely making an impact already. And if you're listening, you know, I think uh, I, I encourage you to at least, you know, watch or listen to the YouTube uh, uh, series, the podcast, and then, you know, obviously connect and follow on, on, on LinkedIn and I'll have all the links below. Um, but before we officially wrap up here, although I'm sure we can talk for hours, I have what I call a sports business lightning round. So I just fire a bunch of questions at you. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you got to answer. Ready? Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. What's your favorite color? Blue. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. I drink like five coffees a day. Me too. Pizza <laughs> or pasta? Neither. Ooh, interesting. Would you <laughs> rather be able to speak to all animals or speak four languages fluently? Four languages fluently. I'm not a big animal person. <laughs> what is your favorite country outside of the one you're in right now? Mm, Portugal. What is one of your biggest strengths? Charisma. Who is one of the first people to really believe in you? Oh, whoa, that's a deep question. Um, one of, I'm sure there are many. <laughs> um, my first manager, Nihon, at Pepsi. What, nice. What is one of your biggest fears? Every entrepreneur's fear, not reaching my potential. If you could have dinner drinks with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who's one of the names that pops up right away? Drake. And if you could turn <laughs> back time, that's a good one. If you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old Kirby, what would you tell her? Do what you did. Ooh, I like that. Short and sweet. Nice. <laughs> well, you, you passed the lighting round, Kirby. This was amazing. Um, I took 
so many pages of notes here. And again, I encourage you, if you're listening to, uh, you know, follow what she has going on because uh, she's making a huge impact. I know she can help a lot of student athletes, but also um, creators uh, uh, in this in this industry. So thanks again for coming on and we will see you soon. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.